gratitude for me is truly appreciating how amazing life is. And I think it's so important to wring every day dry because you don't know when your last day will be. Sadly, eight years ago, my younger brother just suddenly dropped dead. Um, Not expected. He wasn't ill. He was practicing for the London to Brighton cycle race. Um, And one of the gifts that came out of that very dark time was to remember that life is absolutely precious. And for me, gratitude is about, I equate that to life, really. If you're grateful for who you are and grateful for what you have and grateful for your life, then you're going to get more out of life. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George and Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with us is an amazing person and a really inspiring person. Her name is Gina Gardiner. She is a number one best-selling author, a motivational speaker, an empowerment coach, transformational leadership training, NLP master practitioner and coach, with well over 30 years of experience helping people achieve happiness and success. Her story is just incredible. She, she told me a bit about her story before we, we uh, got live, but I will let uh, Gina tell you more about her story and um, the amazing things that she's able to do in spite of some challenges that she, she had in her life. Gina? Thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast show. I really do appreciate it. And what an amazing theme that you have, which is gratitude, which I think is so powerful. Thank you. Um, I suppose the best place to start my story is in 1982, probably before lots of your listeners were actually born, um, I became the the deputy head of a a large school, principal of, of a large school. Very excited to do that. And I was appointed to be the catalyst for change. In fact, the head teacher told me not to apply because he wanted to appoint a man. Um, but I still applied and I got the job. <laughs> and I loved it. I was the, the youngest bar two on the staff. Hard to believe that now, isn't it? Um, wow. And we set up a whole program to bring the school forward into, into modern ways. And so when it got, because in England, the school uh, year starts in September. I don't know if it's the same where you are. Um, And by the February, um, I was really pleased to be going skiing. At that time, I was a really keen skier. And we went off to St Anton. um, And I had a pretty bad ski accident. I fell about 200 feet down a mountain. Wow. Wasn't skiing at the time. I was sitting on a mogul. I don't know though if you know what a mogul is. It's where, no. um, where the weather carves out the snow, and moguls can be two inches deep, and they can be much bigger. And these were about six foot, so great big mounds of snow that you had to snow uh, ski round or or across and down. So we were having a, a rest. Everybody was sitting on their own personal mo- mogul, rather like an elf sitting on a mushroom. And it was a very, very hot day um, and the top of mine uh, melted and gave way. 
and I fell and because it was so steep there was nowhere to land so I just kept on bouncing fortunately knocked myself out so I think that's what saved me um and yeah I I was pretty bashed up um but a few I was, I was off school for about a month but by the time I got back um was pleased to be back And then I was due to be a deputy leader with the children. We were taking 156 children skiing um, Mm. to about 50 from my school. Um, And as the week went on, I became more and more um, unwell. And by the Friday, as we finished with the skiing with children, I said to my colleagues, I've got to go and lie down. And I suddenly found myself to be paralysed down my left-hand side, which Mm. was... um, really challenging didn't want to frighten the children so I had to wait for somebody to come in um so if you fast forward then to um I got back to school in May um and by the summer holidays which come in uh, towards the end of July I was really pleased to have the summer holiday On the 8th of August, I got a phone call to say that John Hughes, um, the head of the school, lovely man, had suddenly died in his sleep. And I was then the acting head, acting head for a a term. And then in January 1984, I was appointed to be the head teacher. And I was absolutely determined that mm, I wanted to make the school as successful as I could. Uh, And I was the head there for 20 years. Wow. Um, for the first few years, I managed um, to walk around the site. It was a very spread site. Most of the classrooms were not in the main building. They were cross playground. We had two big fields. Um, but by um, 1989, um, I had a, tried an experimental drug therapy that failed and I had to use a wheelchair in school um, to get around. Um, 1996, I sneezed and I ruptured a disc. Um, and when I'd had the operation, I was left with a failed back surgery syndrome, which meant that I couldn't put my left foot to the floor without fainting. They called it failed back surgery syndrome. And it took me um, pretty well two years to walk to the bottom of my not very big garden. Mm-hmm. The last day of the summer term, the summer term had finished. I wasn't feeling very well and I was sick and I ruptured another disc. And when I came um, out of that operation, again, I had failed back surgery syndrome, but this time I was completely wheelchair-bound. Um, I came out of hospital on the uh, last Friday of August, and by the first Friday in September, I was back at school. Now, the situation was that if I was at home, um, if somebody didn't leave me out a cup or a plate, I couldn't make myself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Um, As I was saying to you earlier, on one particular day, nobody had left anything out and I was desperate for a drink. The only thing that I could find that was going to work was I used a saucepan. Um, It's the only thing I could actually reach. But in school, I could use my brain, my eyes, my hands, my mouth, and I could operate absolutely effectively doing something I really loved and I felt had huge purpose. So a no-brainer. For me, I wanted to be useful. I wanted to be doing something well. And I could. my dad was always the one that said, you know, if you're not feeling great, go and do something useful. Go and think about other people. And that's something that's held me in really good stead. 
So by the time I got back to school um, in a wheelchair, um, unable to actually stand at that point, um, and until I left in 2002, that was the situation that I couldn't actually walk. I was wheelchair bound. Now, I don't want your your um, listeners to think that, you know, I'm going to dismiss it and say it was easy. It wasn't. There was some pretty dark days along the way. I totally believe that. Two things, I think, made the difference. One is I was determined that school would succeed. And I had to find a way of enabling my teachers to give the children in the school the best possible deal. And that's been one of the huge gifts that's come out of my disability is that I had to create a way where people would take responsibility for their own performance. And the school actually was incredibly successful because of the team. Congratulations. Thank you. We were on the 100 best schools in England twice while I was a head teacher. And so I'm very, very proud of, of all of my staff and the children and parents um, for achieving that. I'd like to think that if I hadn't had that disability, I would have, have hit across a way of finding a way to empower people in the way that I did. I suspect that I'd have been too controlling that I would have wanted to interfere in a way that I couldn't because I couldn't physically get into the classrooms. I could sit at the doorway, but even if I could get the wheelchair through the door, I couldn't get round the classrooms. There simply wasn't enough room. So I really had to find a way of empowering other people. And the gift has not only been for people in school. My school became a beacon school based on developing leadership. So I went and helped hundreds of other schools since I left Headship in 2004, um, I've worked with countless organisations and people using those principles, using those strategies, um, and they work. And they've worked not only for me and my school, but for all of these other places. They've become far more successful as individuals or as teams or as organisations using those same techniques and those same strategies. I think the other big thing that helped me was focusing on what I could do and not what I couldn't. And that's still true now. I, I, although I can now walk short distances, I still can't um, manage without my wheelchair if I go out into town or I, I go on holiday, you know, or, or I'm going anywhere that requires probably more than 100 yards. Then, and that's pushing it a bit for me, really, mm-hmm. um, that I have to use the wheelchair. So focusing on what you can do. Of course, you can do far more than you can't. And if you focus on what you can't do, that's very depressing. It becomes debilitating and your world gets smaller and smaller. If you focus on what you can do, then the world's amazing. And just before I finish this, and I've gone on rather, I would say disability is a metaphor for life. So my legs don't work very well. But if I get into my electric wheelchair, and I have to tell you it's very fast, (laughs) at speed. But most people, myself included, have limiting beliefs about themselves that you take with you. I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not rich enough. I haven't enough time. I can't do this because. Those are dissing your ability. They are a disability that you carry with you. 
And most people don't challenge them because most of our thinking is habitual. So you don't actually challenge that thinking. And so those limitations stay with you forever. And that means your world is contracted rather than expanded. Totally, totally. And I I think this is really, really inspiring. And um, firstly, the, the fact that you 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 were and you are in in a position in which you need to empower others and you um you don't you actually cannot do everything yourself and i think this is this is really wonderful that uh um you've seen things in this way and that you managed to do that i think this is really great thank you i have to say the alternative was so much worse this was the easy bit rather than staying at home and focusing on what I couldn't do. That for me would be just awful. Yeah, I I can only imagine. Uh, but the, the, I think it's it's also even more powerful for um, for your school and for the kids and the parents seeing you do, doing this work and focusing on your strengths and on what, uh, what you were able to do. I think it, it inspired them as well to to look at their strengths and at they can what what they can do and to actually do that and see that they can do much more than they thought i was really worried and i delayed using a wheelchair for quite a long time because i was worried what would the children think children didn't bat an eyelid i have to say um a couple of very little children asked me, you know, why are you in the chair? And I simply said, my legs don't work very well. And they were nodded and went off quite happily with that. So far as I know, the parents didn't mind. So long as the school was running well, they didn't mind. But I hope that I challenged some preconceived ideas because the general public, particularly before the uh, 2012 Paralympics, I think there was a sea change in, in the UK then, assumed because you were in a wheelchair that you didn't have a brain. Oh, so my yeah. secretary at the, at the time used to, uh, used to laugh because she'd push me into town because at that time I didn't have an electric wheelchair. And people would use that voice, would you like a sweetie? As if <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I think it's the movies because usually in the movies when someone someone's in a, in a wheelchair, um, they are pictured like they they can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, and that that's not very good. But um, I wanted to point to point something out in what you said: the fact that we can uh, disabilitate ourselves, um, and the the way out of that is by actually appreciating our strengths and seeing them and using them and uh, focusing on them. So how do you do that, actually? Um, I think in the first instance, let's say you were one of my clients and you had a very poor self-image, a, a poor sense of self-worth. The first thing is to actually look, ask you, Look at the things you can do. Let's make a list of all of those things that you can do and look at the evidence. Because when you look at, start to write it down and you look at all of the evidence which is there, then very often that starts to recalibrate the way in which you think. I also do an exercise with people where we, I have some 
little posters which say on them, I am enough. You can do this by just putting a piece of paper with I am enough, but put it around the house on the, um, on your, um, shade on your car so every time you put your shade on the car you see it anywhere where you're going to see it regularly the words I am enough and every time you see them you say with a real bit of 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 welly I am enough I am enough I am enough and I've done this with so many people now and within a month if you do that regularly several times a day you can recalibrate your brain to start thinking you are enough because when you're genuinely being you you're the most amazing person you know at our most basic level we don't have to think to breathe or say cells reproduce or nails grow we just do it and you think of how complex our thinking is and the whole range of, of of things that we can do we are amazing when we allow ourselves to be so I think totally. look for the evidence. The evidence will tell you that you are an amazing human being. And even if you don't believe it to start with, the old saying, fake it till you make it, works. Try right. it for a month, but you have to do it consistently several times a day for a month. The results I, absolutely amazing. I love it. I love it. I think this is such a, such a great way. So gratitude seekers make sure you uh, you do this because it's very easy to do it's not like a lot of work but i think the i, I will try it out as well and i think the the um, the outcome is is just amazing i wanted to to add something um interesting usually people even the the ones that you admire very much they they don't say so you you would like to be like them most probably but they don't say that you should be like them but you should be like you uh, the best version of yourself and this is what what i think this this can help you a lot with so uh, being enough brings out the best in you and the the uniqueness that you have absolutely can i just add one thing one of the totally. others i would for every client not whatever they come for is i teach them gratitudes your brain is rather like an old fashioned vinyl record you get stuck in the groove of of not noticing things of being negative and if you want to re retrain your brain i teach people a very very simple exercise and you may very well um do this yourself um and teach people this go through the day looking for gratitudes that you can collect and make them easy it could be just noticing the pattern of the rain on the on the window or a rainbow or the dog has made you laugh or somebody's given you a hug or you've had a phone call from an old friend and then just before you go to sleep scan the day and hopefully you'll have lots and lots of things a nice meal a good cup of tea whatever and then out of those all of those things that you've collected and noticed choose five and they be your five best gratitudes for that day and again if you do that on a regular basis you'll start noticing the great things in life and being grateful for them and not all of the, the horrible things that happen totally totally i love this i think it's it's really great um i've done this for a while and and it really works and it's 
it's really great for for the sleep when you when you sleep uh thinking about uh all the wonderful things that happened you just you're just in another state and it's somehow uh when i think about this exercise i i think about when when you were in love like when you uh went to sleep the only thing you could you could think about was that person you were in love with and yeah that person can be your life and the experiences that you had that day i think it's it's somehow uh, in the same area yeah the most important relationship any of us have is with ourselves and if you don't actually love and appreciate you then appreciating and loving other people becomes more of a challenge because every relationship is the relationship that you have with you isn't it wow totally totally <laughs> sometimes we we don't actually see others because we perceive them in in such a way that we can't actually know how they are because we are so much in our story and, and how we think about them and things like Absolutely. this yeah. so that's why it's totally very important so um what i also wanted to ask you on on this what does gratitude mean for you oh that's an interesting question gratitude for me is it's lots of things it's truly appreciating how amazing life is and i think it's so important to ring every day dry because you don't know when your last day will be sadly eight years ago my younger brother just suddenly dropped dead um not expected he wasn't ill he was practicing for the london to brighton cycle race um and one of the gifts that came out of that very dark time was to remember that life is absolutely precious and for me gratitude is about i equate that to life really if you're grateful for who you are and grateful for what you have and grateful for your life then you're going to get more out of life that doesn't mean being complacent because i think we can always make things even better it's not you know this is my i'm grateful for what i've got and i you know there's nothing else that's not for me what gratitude is it's appreciating life in its small bits it's not about the big stuff although that's lovely it's about the little things day by day that actually go to make our lives wonderful and the chances are if people are listening to this they're in the top few percent of the world who have good plumbing and electricity and technology and enough food to eat uh, and there are so many people who don't have that uh, we are very very fortunate i think yes we are uh, i i have um, another part of the gratitude podcast is uh, the gratitude reminders and uh, each day uh, five days a week i have uh, another idea uh, for which we can be grateful and like you said the plumbing and being able to take a shower or a bath these are such simple things but we would take them so much for granted it's not until you have a problem with your plumbing and suddenly exactly. the shower doesn't work or the toilet's bunged up then you appreciate it don't you but not normally no. yeah i actually had that situation a, a month or two ago and uh, i was telling um, the gratitude seekers to to appreciate the fact that they do have a shower and it's so i, I actually had to, to go to to a friend to take a shower or to to wash the the clothes and it was quite an experience to to not be able to to 
have that simple experience that that we we take for granted so so much yeah definitely yes not till you haven't got it yeah exactly exactly so um do you have like a quote that you you really like on on gratitude it's by stephen richards gratitude opens your eyes to the limitless potential of the universe while dissatisfaction closes your eyes to it wow i love it I love it. Becoming a magician takes thousands of hours, right, Ashley? Oh, I'm not a magician. I'm a design specialist at the Container Store. But you transform closets and pantries. Well, I turn your most frustrating spaces into ones you love. With a magic wand? Uh, with Alpha, our customizable, adjustable, and affordable shelving and drawer system. The amazing Ashley, making daily frustration disappear. <laughs> Just doing my job. Transform your space with Alpha and save 20% on purchases over $500. Get started with your free design at the Container Store today. Um I also wanted to add something on on this uh, topic the media in general makes us think that we need all kinds of things uh and yeah businesses that are not very ethical usually makes us think that we need all kinds of things in order for us to be happy and to uh to enjoy life when it's actually the, the other way around because we can have the, those things at least in my experience I, i i i have i have had that experience that i i had some things that i really wanted and i was still unsatisfied and it was so weird for me because uh the the influence from the exterior told me that if i got that i should be happy and it should be all perfect and when it wasn't like that i was like what's what's wrong <laughs> and i think uh gratitude was the the missing ingredient it's interesting because if you look at many people who have been incredibly successful financially as they go through life they many of them start to realize that actually it's empty and they start to recognize that if you want a life that's truly full of purpose and fulfillment it's about appreciating who you are and helping other people um totally and for me happiness is a choice and one of the little um techniques that i teach people is the funky chicken technique <laughs> sounds cool <laughs> so you wake up in the morning because for me everything we do whatever it is is a choice even not choosing is a choice and every choice has consequences and not choosing and letting things drift usually has worse consequences than actually making a choice so yeah. it's your choice to be happy or not so that's the background of it so as you wake up in the morning you lie in bed and while you're still lying in bed before you get up and clean your teeth and do whatever you do the funky chicken you know that thing with your arms the, the funky chicken yeah and you ask yourself the following question it's a new day can i feel the sides of my coffin Now I can't. So I choose to be happy. Now, the interesting thing is it's a silly thing to do, but what it does is exactly as it did with you is it makes people just smile. Now, what better way to start a day on a smile rather totally. than getting up and thinking, "Oh, I've got to go and do this and I've got to go and do that and oh, I've got all of these worries." So, it's just a little thing and some clients have decided they don't want to be a chicken they want to be a penguin or they want to be their favorite bird i don't care <laughs> you don't even have to be a bird just see if your coffin's there and if it's not choose to be happy choose to be grateful and happy what a way a waste of your life 
not to be. Totally, totally. But sometimes life gets hard and we, we find it so much harder to be grateful. What do you do then? I think if you make it your habit that it's something that you do, then it's easier. And for me on days, and I still struggle on some days with pain and fatigue for me is always an issue. On those days now, because I have, it has become my habit, instead of focusing in on the fact that I feel like rubbish, um, I focus out on looking for those things. It's become an ingrained habit. So I think I don't want to make light of people's problems because I know just how challenging they can be. But even if you start with something very little, um, that can help and it can build. Each time you build something little onto that something little onto that something little, it becomes more significant. But the more it is part of your habitual way of being, the easier it will be. And that doesn't mean some days that we're fed up. Um, I get there are days when I'm fed up. They don't come often now and they don't last long. And gratitude for me is probably the single most powerful way of getting out of that. That is going to do something useful. This is wonderful. And that's why that's why the this podcast actually exists to 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 help people to make gratitude something that they do consistently. Because in my life as well I've seen how much how much it it helps when when things go wrong and like like uh like it was the situation uh i uh, our listeners don't know but i actually uh was late for for our meeting because i had to go and take care of some paper work and um it was really interesting for me to so it was kind of a frustrating situation and usually uh, people would get really mad because I I had to run and do do do, do the same thing twice practically, and um, I was fortunate enough uh, for Gina to be very understanding. That's that's one thing that I was really grateful about, and um, the other one was was the fact that I was able to move around fast and that I'm young and then that I can that I can do that. Um, and also that I could keep in touch with uh, with Gina and tell her what's the situation and with friends while I was waiting in for quite a while there. And um, yeah, things do do happen. And uh, this is something that, at least in my life uh, experiences, it has been like this. Even if I'm I'm grateful and I'm happy uh, a lot of the time, things do happen. We still have challenges and having this uh, gratitude practice and this gratitude foundation makes it so much easier to deal with everything. I believe you're absolutely right, yeah. And for those of people that haven't made it part of their daily practice, I really say to you, give it a go because it does work. And I've now used it with hundreds of people and it works. It truly does. That's wonderful. Thank you. So... Um, I'm really curious about how you got to to um, discover gratitude in your life. Like, not the the concept like gratitude. People know about gratitude that it exists, but actually live it and actually experience it. That's an interesting question, and I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. I actually know 
the real answer. Um, I was brought up with parents who um, were grateful um, and who taught us as children to be grateful for the things that we had. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, my dad, particularly a teacher and um, somebody who incredibly optimistic and always looked on the good side of things. And my mum too, but um, and both of them had had very difficult childhoods but were grateful for family and grateful for the opportunity. And, it, you know, even though we didn't have a lot of material things, um, we felt it, we were grateful for the fact that we had one another and that we were a, a, a close-knit family. So I suspect it started then. Um, and I think that, you know, if you're exposed to people who demonstrate gratitude, um, then you start to, that starts to become part of your DNA, really, doesn't it? But I do believe it's never too late. So if you weren't brought up like that, you can just start now and it will work. And even more so if you're a parent and you have children, it's the best way to educate them because they will, they will see how grateful you are and they will, they will copy the, the gratitude that they see. One thing I would say to parents, though, you know, the parents who say, eat your dinner, be grateful you've got your dinner because otherwise there's lots of starving children in Africa. I have a feeling that that doesn't help children feel grateful. Rather than use it in that way, uh, you know, when they've had a lovely day, lots of my clients have started to use the gathering gratitudes. And as the children go to bed after their story, before they go to sleep, each of them share their five best gratitudes. So they're teaching their children right from tiny to to notice and to recognize. And for me, that's a much more upbeat, powerful way rather than it being used as a stick, really. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I I think that uh, instead of them becoming grateful, they, they become... Um, I, I can't get the word exactly. They feel ashamed. Pardon? Yeah. Resentful, I suppose. Yeah, resentful. Uh, or they feel ashamed if, if they don't, if they're not grateful. And um, it gets it's, it to be a, a weird combination between actual gratitude and the beautiful feeling that you, you actually feel that comes from, it, from the inside and the shame that you're not, not doing that. And that's yeah. not very healthy. No. No, but I think by helping them recognize, and it doesn't have to be the big things, and the sharedness of it, doing it with them and the parents coming up with their five gratitudes too, I think there's something very powerful about that shared experience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I actually, um, today I had a, another interview with um, a university professor from uh, Australia, yeah. and um in her book, she's, she tells a story about uh, a professor that um, had some challenges with, with the children. They, there were some bullying situations. And the way he dealt with it was with gratitude. So um, he went and uh, told every student what he is grateful for about uh, that, that particular children, uh, child, pardon um that's a nice way to do it isn't it yeah and the wonderful thing is at the end after he did it with every single child um they all 
so spontaneously they all did it uh, with him so every child told the teacher uh, what they appreciated about him how lovely and interestingly bullies are usually in my experience very unhappy have yeah. very poor sense of self-worth so what they did was going to build that child up rather than knock it down further so that's fabulous exactly exactly so uh, even though there there was this situation in which um the kind of uh, behavior wasn't okay by building the character up by building the the beautiful parts like you said like the strengths what yeah. was great in that person it it came out and it's it's such a such a great example fabulous i think yeah a really great way of doing it yeah and this is this works in my opinion this works uh, as well in uh parent child um relationship really well it's very easy for parents to get into nag mode and to look at the things that children are doing wrong and children will have attention on any terms So you know, for parents out there, if you want your child to, you know, to, to behave and parents would often say to me when I was ahead, how is it they behave for you, but they don't behave for me? Part of that is that we were very clear about the boundaries, you know, no means no. So parents only use the word no if you really, really mean it rather than no. Oh, all right, then, because that's kiss of death. Um, but ultimately, you know, looking at what children can do and helping them recognize their strengths, builds their self-confidence. And then they're much more likely to try the things that they find difficult. Exactly, exactly. So uh, we're nearing the end of our discussion today. And I wanted to ask you, who are you grateful for in your life? If you want to mention a few people. I'm grateful for my family. Um, I'm very close to my sister, my brother-in-law and my, my aunt, Jill. So Paulette and David and Jill. I've got a huge group of friends and I'm very grateful to them all. They're too many to mention. I've got seven godchildren. Um, I'm wow. grateful for my clients. I'm, I really love the privilege of working with them. Um, I'm, I'm just grateful actually to be surrounded by people that are genuinely loved to be with there i'm i'm truly blessed i don't have any clients that i don't actually really enjoy being working with uh, the people who help me i've got sarah and anna um and come and help me in the office i've got um ben who's 19 with blue hair and bother boots who comes and helps me with technology john north <laughs> of australia who helps me with my marketing I'm just grateful for them all. I'm grateful for the for the privilege really of being in a situation where I can sit and talk to you and we are in two very different countries and we can talk as two equals through a piece of plastic and a bit of electronics. How awesome is that? I know, I know. It's it's just amazing and it works perfectly. You know, that's it's easier to tell you the things I am not grateful for and they're not very many slugs and snails because they're greedy and they don't leave my plants alone <laughs> because they love me and they see me as meals on wheels and technology when it doesn't go wrong Apart yeah. from that, life is pretty good <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome thank you so um where can our audience find you where can we see your work 
Um, the website is um, the HTTPS um, colon forward slash forward slash. It's genuinely hyphen you dot com. And you can find lots and lots of free stuff um, on the website. There's also a seven part free video series, which I'd like to offer to all of your listeners. Um, and that's called Seven Principles for Living a, a Happy and Successful Life. Um, there are lots of podcasts. You can go onto iTunes and find me. Um, I'm on Facebook. Please come and follow me on Facebook and join the Genuinely You um, group. It's genuinely.gina50 for Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Use my name for all of those. Um, So I'd love to see people there. And I'd particularly love it if they told me that they'd arrived through your uh, podcast, because that would be lovely to be able to track those. Also, if they want to hear more of my story and more of the strategies that I use, um, then the book Chariots on Fire um, is available through the website or through Amazon. Now, the Chariots on Fire is an allusion to my wheelchair Mm -hmm. because people think of it as something of lack. For me, as I told you, my chariot goes faster than it should, really. Um, (laughs) It's my chariot on fire. It's what allows me to do the things I can't do. So I'm very grateful for that. But I'd love to to um, have contact with uh, your listeners. Uh, but please let me know um, that you've come through our podcast today because that would be lovely. And I can then let you know uh, that people have come. That, that's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you. So uh, gratitude seekers, make sure you tell her that um, you're a gratitude seeker and that uh, I hope that you enjoyed this this episode. So um, thank you very much, Gina. It has been really amazing talking with you. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. And thank you very much to all of the listeners who have listened live and uh, later on. But thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. Help us reach our goal of inspiring 100,000 people by sharing this podcast with your loved ones, with your Facebook friends. And if you loved this episode, please write a review on iTunes.